guys and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So today is a quite a special episode. The time of recording this is the 27th of November. The podcast is one year old next week, which is quite frightening. Uh, I think there was only one person I was going to ask back on for episode 50. And that was the person that pushed me into, uh, into, into the right direction, should I say, uh, when I went to his business seminar up in Galway, which is scary. That's a year ago. Uh, and that's Brian Keane. So Brian, who whoever doesn't know who Brian Keane is in the fitness industry, you need to get on it, listen to his podcast. See many guests. It's it's incredible. Some of the content is incredible as well. He's a coach, entrepreneur, host of Brian Keane podcast, the business podcast as well. He has a new book coming out. He already has a couple of books out already. All round gentleman, uh, and it's really special having Brian back on. So thank you so much for coming back on, Brian. Man, pleasure is all mine, Shane. Thanks so much. I feel like I should have like opened with a happy birthday song for the podcast. <laughs> a year, mate. Uh, unreal. Like to see what you've done over the last year. Like I was joking with you just before we done it online. Like I literally have been stealing guests from you. I'm like, oh, I listened on your podcast and I did like a great guest on my podcast. Uh, so thank you for that. So the value you put to everybody else, but for me, from a selfish standpoint, because I've been robbing some of your guests, an even greater thank you for me. I've also been robbing your guests, so we're equal, I think. Brilliant. Uh, so, Brian, whoever doesn't know about you at all, could you kind of tell us your story and how you kind of get into, got into the fitness realm itself? Yeah, so to kind of keep it short and brief, I, I won't spend too long on it because we kind of covered it a little bit in our first part. Um, yeah, so I'm a online fitness coach, entrepreneur. I run my own business now, which is all based around the books that I write, um, The Fitness Mindset, which is my first book, uh, which is a Amazon bestseller for eight consecutive weeks upon its release. And my new book, Rewire Your Mindset, is out on the 5th of December. I work full-time as a professional speaker so i just recently got back from dubai speaking at the me fit health and fitness summit and i run my own seminars rewire your mindset also the title of my main flagship seminar and the business seminar that you've been at um i run online programs so i work as an online fitness coach in my g80 body program my bkf online program and that's basically what i do now and several years ago i was a primary school teacher and i left that in 2014 after working two years as a primary school teacher during the day and a personal trainer at night time in 2014, I moved back to Ireland from London and set up social media, set up my one-to-one personal training business. And from 2014 to now nearly 2020, um, I've kind of built it and got it from the point of you know zero clients to where it is now. And I'm at that stage where I love what I do. Like I literally have the best work life balance ever um i work with amazing people at seminars at conferences in my programs um yeah so i spend most of my day now either recording podcasts getting to chat to awesome people like you shane um or traveling around speaking at places so uh yeah i'm very grateful for what i do and that's kind of my uh a little short synopsis on where i'm at at the minute no like uh, like guys whoever if if any pts are out there listening to this i couldn't recommend the the business seminar more than enough like if for for like it's not a high ticket price but for the amount of money you, you put into it you are going to get it back tenfold and i can't thank brian enough for changing he looked at your the way he looks at your business he sits down with you uh, you fill in a sheet beforehand and he will go through it with you. He'll talk about your prices, strategies coming up, how to market your business, all that kind of stuff. So Brian's definitely changed the way my business has gone. Brian sent me a challenge. If anyone hasn't listened to episode 10, I think it was with Brian, that if anyone hasn't listened to us, uh, Brian sent me a challenge 
uh, I think it was episodes get to twenty episodes, um, and I think by episode eight you sent me a message saying uh, I'll do episode ten. Uh, so I'm forever grateful. Yourself and Paul Dermody have been huge supporters of the podcast. Uh, we're constantly messaging as well. So Brian, I can't thank you enough for that. So that's enough bro- romance, I think, for now. <laughs> I was just feeling the love. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> um, so we'll kind of get into kind of the questions and stuff like that. Um, a few I had a few people asking to get you back on, and a few of the questions that kind of came in. One of the things that kind of came in was kind of we tell ourselves stories and we set our, we tell we tell ourselves narratives all the time about kind of we can't lose weight we can't we have to be in a corporate job we have to be in a relationship we have to have a house we have to have a certain level of income have you kind of got any tips or advice of how to overcome stories that we keep telling ourselves yeah so in the context of those stories such as I should live my life this way I should be at this weight I should have this by a certain age those kind of narrative fallacies that we all kind of tell ourselves that we should live our life like this because this is what everyone says we should do those types of stories I think are the inoculation for those and the antidote for those is getting very clear on what success means for you and being very clear on what your values are and again we can go in any direction with this but when it comes to the stories you tell yourself i'm so big on not judging yourself too harshly you know you've heard me speak on my podcast don't let your own biggest enemy live between your two ears and i think that kind of thought process and that philosophy when it comes to telling yourself a story that you can't do something or that you're not good enough or you're not worthy enough or you can't lose this weight or you should have this or that or the other they're all stories and narratives that you've told yourself and all i ever ask people is to question those narratives because those stories if they're unsupportive they're up to you to change them because either those stories have become beliefs or in worse they became ideologies because you've reinforced that belief and you've told yourself something over and over again like shane if me and you sat down for the next 30 years and i told you every single day for 23 hours of the 24 that you are a tree you probably in 20 years be like i think i'm a tree like (laughs) if i tell you something enough you're going to believe it and that's all our stories are and when it comes to questioning any self-limiting beliefs that you have in your body compositional goals your relationship goals your business goals your life goals in general whatever it is you're trying to achieve it's very important to realize and differentiate between supportive beliefs and unsupportive beliefs and supportive stories and unsupportive stories like i'm not necessarily saying that you shouldn't tell yourself a story sometimes they can be really beneficial if that story is helping you get to your end goal you know i tell myself the story all the time that i can achieve anything that i set my mind to and that story is something that I reinforce because it's very helpful for me when I'm setting a goal for myself. And on the doubt days and the days I don't feel like that's true, I have to make sure that that voice is even louder. And it's not that you're going to wake up overnight and not tell yourself a story that you can or can't do something. You just have to make that voice be significantly louder. And it doesn't matter what way you channel that, whether that's into your body composition to build muscle, to lose weight, to lose body fat, to drop dress sizes, whether that's in the corporate world or setting up your own business you know this from leaving the corporate world and going and setting up your own business and or whatever area it is it's just been very clear that you've told yourself stories up until now but 
you need to question those stories because the unsupportive ones aren't going to change unless you change them. And the only way they're going to change is if you start to question them. And the only way you start to question them is you start to identify that there are problems that aren't helping you right now. And once you do that, and once you take responsibility for something, and once you own it, you're back in control of it. And if you decide to change it, you can change it going forward. And realize that, you know, one of my favorite quotes of all time is a Richard Feynman quote, you know, the Nobel laureate, don't fool yourself and you're the easiest person to fool. You know, I did it myself for years where I would tell myself unsupportive stories that I can't do this or I can't do that. You know, I, you know, I used to work as a primary school teacher and I would think that people that ran their own business, I'm like, well, that's what other people do. You know, or when I was wanting to step on stage in bodybuilding or fitness modeling, I'm like, well, competing is what other people do. Or when I wanted to run a marathon, I'd be like, well, that's what other people do. I never thought that those stories and those limiting beliefs that I held myself were really unsupportive for me because I wanted to do these things. I just didn't believe I could. And to change that belief and change that story, it comes back to just completely owning it from the offset, taking full responsibility for, right, this is my starting point. You know, I'm not good at this or I'm not feeling very secure in this area I'm not feeling very knowledgeable in setting up my own business I'm not feeling very confident in going into a relationship that's cool identify where your starting point is there's nothing wrong with being at or not being happy with where you are but there is something wrong if you don't take responsibility for it and there is something wrong if you don't take ownership from it up front because if you don't own it you can't control it and if you don't control it you can't change it so when it comes to stories and we can go in whatever direction you like the most important philosophy that I try and hammer home on my podcasts, in my books, in my seminars, wherever I get a chance to speak, is that you have to own these things. You have to take responsibility for them and realize that those stories, are that's all they are. They're stories. And if you keep telling yourself a story enough, it becomes a belief. And if you hammer it down enough, it'll become an ideology. And then it's really difficult to change. You know, the analogy that I like to use is like seeds in the ground. You know, it's way easier to dig up a seed that you planted yesterday than to try and dig up an oak tree that's been there for 40 years. And your stories are exactly the same. One that's just been put in your head recently is going to be easier to change than one that's been reinforced for the last 10 or 20 years. So just identify which stories are seeds and identify which stories are oak trees. And it's not that you can't knock an oak tree. You can. Like, you don't knock an oak tree by hitting an oak tree a thousand times in a thousand different spots. You hit an oak tree by hitting it a thousand times in the exact same spot. Your stories are the same. You will question all those limitations, all those beliefs that you have, all those stories if you keep asking the right questions and identify what the problem is in the first place. You know, as opposed to, you know, like um, one of the mistakes I made to go off on a side tangent was I used to, my definition of success was the more money I made, the happier I'll be. Not realizing that happiness and money were two completely different things. Like money doesn't make you happier. You know, after a certain point and after you make a certain amount that you're able to live a comfortable lifestyle all money allows you to do is buy more stuff you know once all your basic needs are met but i had those mixed up my definition of success meant the more money i make the happier i'll be not realizing that happiness was something completely different and they were just stories because I had reinforced the wrong beliefs over the years but when I started to question that it meant that I wasn't chasing more money I'm like well I want to be happier but if I keep chasing more money or if I keep chasing this body or I keep chasing this other thing that I'll be happy when I have this thing that's not going to be very helpful because I'm making the same mistake over and over again just channeling in a different way but at least going down those routes and asking those questions made me realize that my definition of success and my definition of happiness is being able to spend time with my daughter, having
having free time during the day so I can have conversations like this. I'm like, they're my definitions of happiness and freedom and success for me. And when you get clear on what your definition of success looks like, you can start challenging all those limiting beliefs and all those limiting stories and realize that nothing can't be changed. It doesn't matter if you have a bad story or an unsupportive story for the last 50 years. It's like, it's just like an oak tree. It's not that you can't knock it. It just might take longer and a little bit more effort to knock it. So we can go whatever direction you like on that. That's like a long-winded way of answering that question. Um, But yeah, bringing it all back to that own control and change of philosophy, which I think is key when it comes to questioning any self-limiting story you tell yourself. Yeah, I think like I was listening to your business podcast earlier on. Um, and I think this podcast is mainly aimed towards people who are looking to lose weight. And one like you've worked face to face, I've worked face to face with clients and the kind of the limiting beliefs that you get from people when you kind of have a consultation form and you kind of sit down in consultation is they tell you stories that oh, my, ta- my, metabolism, my metabolism is broken. Uh, they put people on pedestals. Uh, oh, that skinny bitch can eat whatever she wants. It's the PT's fault. They just can't lose weight. And then they criticize certain foods or they can't have, they think that they can't have certain foods. They are other kind of stories and narratives that the people do tell themselves. But that like you can't always potentially blame a coach. If there are good coaches out there, there's amazing coaches out there, but there are also not so great coaches out there. But if that person has potentially been to say four or five, six PTs and nothing has budged, that person potentially needs to look at their own background, their own beliefs, their own kind of day-to-day habits. Um, and I'm not saying that they have to have a chicken and broccoli approach because that rarely ever works. They're not bodybuilders. They're not going to go up on stage. Like I try to promote kind of balance. Like if you're going out in the weekend, just don't get the takeaway and just kind of have loads of water the next day and kind of reduce your food a little bit for the next couple of days afterwards. It's that simple. Um, have you got anything else to say in kind of regarding the weight loss thing about the kind of the stories that we overcome? Yeah, that's such a great point. Like, one of the things that I always think of weight loss, and you make reference to probably the um, How to Pick Winning Clients episode of the business yeah. podcast, where, and when I say winning clients, people that are looking to lose weight, I don't mean people that are in shape. I mean people who have already made the decision that it's my responsibility to get in shape, and I'm looking for the personal trainer that can help facilitate that in the best way possible, which is what I call effectively the winning mindset. But you made a great point there that if you've tried five or six diets or you've tried five or six coaches, there's a common denominator there. And I saw one of my friends, she's female, and I love her to bits, um, but I can I can never get this point to land with her. But she's always giving out about all her ex-boyfriends and all her new boyfriends. She's like, there's no good men out there. She's like, they're all assholes. They're all wankers. And I'm like, all seven of them? <laughs> I was like, there's a common denominator here. And she just like, she laughs at me every time. She's like, stop telling me that. I'm like, well, it's true. I'm like, I, if, you, if you want me to offer my truth and, and offer my input, which she generally doesn't, so I just shut up at that moment. But I'm like, there's a common denominator in everything. You know, I live by the, the horse principle. I'm like, if one person calls you a horse, you know, it's, it's on them. You're like, what the fuck? It's like, all right, cool. Two people call you a horse, it's a conspiracy. Three people call you a horse, it's time to get a saddle and some hay. And it's looking for that, that common denominator. So when it comes to weight loss and those self-limiting stories, it's not that all the PTs are crap, or it's not that all the diets don't work. It just is that you haven't found the one that works for you right now. And that's one of the things that I think there's a limiting belief around food. And you mentioned Paul Germany there, and he's very good with this. I know he's been on your podcast, and Paul talks about this quite a lot, about not separating foods into good and bad. He's like, there's no such thing really as a good or bad food. There's good or bad diets. You know, there's good or bad nutritional protocols. And 
I think that philosophy is worth understanding if weight loss is the goal and fat loss is the goal. It's like, it's not that chocolate is bad. It's like seven bars of chocolate every day that's putting you into a calorie surplus is bad. It's not that pizza is bad. It's the whole pizza and not having a single slice that's bad in the sense that you're trying to lose weight and you've consumed 2,000 calories from pizza. It's not the food that's bad. It's the quantity in your relationship to it that's bad. And questioning those stories between separating good foods from bad foods, I think that can be quite helpful for people looking to lose weight because some people are going to do way better by having a chocolate bar every day. Some people are going to do way better by having the slice of pizza. Like I know you promote this heavily, Shane, like of what's working for you, what's sustainable for you, what can you adhere to? You know, not sticking to the chicken and broccoli because you're not a bodybuilder, which is true. Like I used to bodybuild and I used to see chicken and broccoli and I was like, and it was boring to me. <laughs> I was trying to get up on stage. And promoting that message and i think they're all limiting stories on i can't lose weight because of this it's like no you can lose weight you just haven't found the strategy that works for you right now you haven't found the foods that you enjoy that you can stick to you haven't understood or worked with somebody or done the research yourself to understand what a calorie deficit actually means in the sense that you're consuming less calories than your body needs in order to tap into reserved fat stores you haven't found a training program that you can enjoy and you can slot into your life that fits into your lifestyle and schedule it's like that's all fine it's like it's not that they're not out there you just haven't found them yet and if you think you can't lose weight or i've tried everything it's like you haven't tried everything because if you tried everything you'd be at your end goal you know or you'd at least be on the you know ladder against the right wall you'd be climbing the ladder towards the right goal so if you're in that position now where you want to lose weight or you want to hit an end goal or you want to lose body fat or you want to look this way or that way or drop dress sizes and you're not happy with where you are it's like cool you can own that now take responsibility for the fact that you're not happy with where you are now it's up to you what you do next. Do you either go and find and research yourself so you design a training program and a nutritional plan that you can stick to, or do you go work with somebody like Shane or work with another trainer that's local to you or come through a program or work with a coach who can do all those specificities and do all that design for you so that you're working towards an end goal with an expert? Like It's just about finding what works best for you after that. But don't limit yourself with the weight loss story of I can't lose weight or I've tried everything or, you know, that person can eat what she wants. She's a skinny bitch. That doesn't help you at all because what that person is doing and what that person is, is eating isn't helping you lose weight. So bring it back and take ownership, take responsibility first because then you can change it. Um, and whatever process or whatever person facilitates that, then it's just going to be down to the individual. 100%. I think another Paul quote that I love is that diet shouldn't be a death sentence. Like a diet shouldn't be overly restrictive. Like there has to be a little bit of cop on along the way with what food's going into your mouth. And you also, Paul's a huge advocate of the whole uh, multi-packs. Like, do you really need that whole multi-pack as bag of skips or chocolate bars or whatever it may be? What's it? What's the feeling going to be? What's the difference with the feeling going to be between having seven chocolate bars and one chocolate bar? You're still going to get that, that happy hormone hit when you get that chocolate into you. But compared to the, potentially the shame or the binging feeling that you're going to have, uh, potentially if you have the seven and you're going to feel like shite, you're going to be like, why did I eat that? And then you're going to feel more guilty. You're going to fall back into that vicious circle and potentially you're going to be back to square one and you'll be like, what the fuck have I just done? And that could be all done within like five or 10 minutes. Like there's so many people that are out there, unfortunately, that are kind of just watching, sitting, watching Netflix, just gorging on food, gorging on food without even realizing what they're doing and what they're putting into their mouth. Like I was, I had a consultation recently 
for an online client and we are kind of going through on the on the sign up form i kind of have a couple of days of their food so one day of a weekday to see what they're like at work and one day at the weekend and how they differ and on their form on the weekend it was chalk and cheese there was literally as soon as kind of the office finished on friday at like 5 or 6 p.m the it literally just went for a free-for-all it was it was fright it was frightening and it's it's one of those things that that's another story we do tell ourselves that the friday it's the weekend we could kind of let off the reins and i'm all for i'm all for finding balance but there is balance but then there's also the ex- excess of kind of going from the chicken and broccoli diet monday to friday or the salads at your desk which i've been there uh and then you're gonna go out for the pizzas you're going out for the drinks you're going out for a zaytunes going out for a domino's or whatever it may be that's another story that people do tell and the other story is kind of like the the weighing scales and how that the that people say are like they could dictate their happiness by the weighing scales and i know you did an amazing video recently up on igtv about kind of dealing with addiction to the scales can you kind of go into that a little bit more brian yeah so one of my issues with people that are addicted to scales and it's not even an issue more uh, a consideration for people to think about for certain populations Oh, firstly, to kind of take a step back, like understanding the difference between weight loss and fat loss and realizing that they are two completely different things. Like weight loss is reducing numbers on a scale. Fat loss is reducing the amount of fat on your body. They're not the same thing. They're two different in targets. They're two different metrics for success. And too often in fitness, and maybe some people listening to this will think about it and the penny will drop and go, oh, actually, I've been tracking the wrong thing here because a lot of people get the two confused. And when I talked about not video about being addicted to the scales, there's certain demographics of people who should track their weight. They should track their number. So, for example, if you're a competitive athlete or a bikini competitor or a bodybuilder or somebody who needs to make weight for a box or boxing competition or an MMA fight, I'm like, your unit of metric needs to be the weighing scale. You need to weigh a certain weight in order for you to be able to achieve your end goal of getting into this fight. Also, people on the other end of the spectrum that are massively overweight or massively obese to begin with, it's like, yeah, that's probably the easiest way. If you're 50% body fat, it's probably easier to use the scale because it's going to give you some idea on how you're progressing, whether you're going in the right direction or not but for everyone in between and the majority of people who are looking to lose body fat they want to drop dress sizes and when i say looking to lose body fat i'm talking about people that aren't morbidly obese and aren't massively overweight they have body fat and they want to reduce it but they're stepping on scales to track that you know the example i gave it's like using the number in your bank account to track how good you are a bit i'm like that's you know they're two completely different metrics i'm like you're using this thing over here the number in your bank account to determine how good you are in bed i'm like that's literally the same thing as using the weighing scale to see how much body fat you're reducing i'm like a weighing scale doesn't tell you if your fat is reducing all a weighing scale tells you is how much you weigh and when you're focusing on that and when people are want to lose body fat and they want to reduce say lose dress sizes or drop dress sizes or just look better and feel more confident and walk around feeling toned and all these other words we use with it it's important that that's what you're focusing on in one your actual training in your diet program but two in your measurements so how you're actually tracking that so if you're trying to bring up the number in your bank account it makes sense to go in and check to see is there more money coming in than there is money going out 
And when you're trying to lose body fat, it makes sense to track how is your body fat reducing. So one of my favorite ways is that my favorite way it always has been and it probably always will be is photos. For the most people, I'm like, photos don't lie. Over a 6, 12, 18 week period, I'm like, your photos aren't going to lie. Clothes are another great example. Dress sizes jean sizes t-shirts how are they fitting like they're two very very easy metrics that people can use that are actually going to tell you if your body fat is reducing or not now you can go into the more scientific side then which is like if, as a coach i know you do the shame and it's a little bit trickier to do online in my programs but some people i do it with is using body fat calipers so calipers that actually track your body fat so you're seeing are those numbers on the calipers reducing each week, thereby showing you that your body fat is reducing? And then you can combine that with something like a measuring tape, which may show the lean muscle tissue. So if your measuring tape on your arm is staying the same size, but the caliper number is going down, it means you're maintaining the muscle tissue you have, but you're losing body fat in that region. So you're focusing on losing body fat. And one of the examples that I gave, and I used to do this with one of my one of my girls, my one-to-one client, and I always use her as an example at seminars, is I have an asker, I'm like, when people are walking down the street, or when you're walking down the street, I'm like, has anybody ever came up to you and gone, oh my God, you've dropped five kilos? You know, what was the number you dropped on the scale? They don't do that. People come up to you and go, wow, you look amazing. Wow, you've lost weight or you've lost body fat or wow, you look this, that or the other. They don't comment on the number. And when you're tracking the number on a scale, that's your focus and that's your metric. It's like you're tracking the wrong thing when you're trying to lose body fat. So unless, for everybody listening, unless you're trying to make weight because you're in a competition where the weight is actually the metric of success for that particular competition, or you're massively overweight or obese, you should probably be tracking your body fat as opposed to tracking the scale weight. Like, you know this, Shane, I know this, and any other coach worth their salt know this. Like, we could drop someone, I can drop someone by three kilos in a day. I'm like, give me them for a few days, and I can peak them. I can drop all their carbohydrate, all their glycogen, load their water, and then decrease their water, and they'll probably drop about three kilos in a day. But that's not body fat they're losing that's reducing numbers on a scale that's losing weight so understanding that weight fluctuates you weigh yourself in the morning before you've eaten anything or drank anything you're going to weigh significantly less than you weigh in the evening after you've had a full day of eating like it just makes sense that's why when i hear you know certain companies slimming worlds and all these and there's good parts to those i like the community aspect but i'm like it's fucking horseshit to be weighing in at fucking 7 p.m on an evening and then lambasting somebody because they're a kilo up i'm like they might have had a little bit of extra fiber that day they might have had an extra liter of water because they've trained or whatever reason of course their scale is going to be up i'm like it's fucking ludicrous if that's what you're tracking when you're trying to look better and you're trying to get your body fat down as i said if you're overweight and obese use the scale because it'll give you a good gauge and at least gives you something to focus on until you get to the point when you should be tracking body fat but for everybody else it's like just think about that analogy every time you think i'm going to step on the scale now to see how i'm doing think about would you look in your bank account to see how good you are in the bedroom i'm like it's the same fucking thing i love that analogy but the other, I, I use another one like when you're going into the shop to buy clothes you don't go into the shop and see a label for 70 kilos you look at a shop for a size measurement for a clothes size whether you be like a 30 inch waist or whatever it may be you don't go into the shop look at the label and say oh that's for 70 person that's 70 kilos it's a load of absolute shit and the, the, I'm delighted that you mentioned the whole metric of taking before and after photos you're, I'm always so surprised when 
I've got clients for let's say 12 weeks when they look at their photo from day one to tw after 12 weeks they like for so long they don't see any difference but when you put the two sides two photos side by side their faces just light up and they and it's just it's just like it's chalk and cheese i've used that analogy twice now but like it, it's it's so different between the two photos so please do kind of take a photo every kind of month every couple of weeks and to, and kind of use different apps and stuff like that to put them two side by side please don't use only the, the only metric as the scales if the scales upsets you in any way please stay off the fucking thing if it affects your mood in any way stay off the fucking thing i can't reiterate that enough there's no point in you kind of aggravating yourself annoying yourself if the scale doesn't budge but your clothes are feeling looser well then go by how your clothes are feeling how the, the compliments or if you have more energy you're able to run with your kids or whatever it may be please use that as a metric rather than the fucking scales couldn't agree more. I love that. 70 kilos on the dress. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, but like... Right, bro, Thomas, or someone's going to pick up on that now. I'm like, oh, fuck, we've started something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. But I'm delighted you brought up the SimWorld thing. Like, I, I have a, I have a love-hate relationship with SimWorld. I brought up... I had Monroe Fitness on, who is a fellow uh, m and nutritionist. And, like, we love it because it keeps the likes of us in business. Um, But... I don't like the idea. I, you, I agree with the kind of the community aspect, but the whole thing with Slim World, I hope I'm not going to get sued, but uh, the whole thing... You're with, talking to the right person here. <laughs> like 99% like of my clients are from, have had a Slim World background. They don't teach you about portion sizes. They say you can eat all, the amount of food you want. They don't promote exercise. The community aspect's great, but then it's a fucking competition. You're not going for a boxing fight. You're not going for a fight with Anthony Joshua. Why the fuck are you on a competition on, on weighing scales? It's absolutely and utterly bollocks. And then I don't... The other one is the Operation Transformation one. They put them on such restrictive diets that most of them bounce back as well. Um, And it's just like it's not a life like you, they have these massive transformations but if you look go back to look at them a year or two on some of them probably would have put the weight back on some of them would have kept the weight off but i would say more often than not that a lot of them would have had uh, put the weight back on they wouldn't have been taught they wouldn't have had the kind of the support from potentially the coaches they wouldn't have kind of dug into deep and dug deep into why they're kind of going binging and why they're eating x y and z so i'm glad we're on the same same wavelength with the the slim world side of things um and then like consistency is kind of used a lot brian with kind of the fitness side of things as well why is it such a kind of a buzzword in fitness at the minute i think it's funny because some terms get completely ruined and they i love them at their root but they get thrown around with, you know, some pretty guy or pretty girl that puts you versus you, which is a great message. It means stop comparing yourself to other people. But the, um, the baby gets thrown out with the bathwater sometimes. And I think consistency is the same at the minute because it's becoming a trending aspect. But the truth is it's grounded in success. Like to do anything and be good at anything, it's about being consistent at it. Like you have a successful podcast because you've been doing it consistently for a year. I have a, a, a successful podcast because I've been doing it consistently for three, nearly four years. Like you tend to get what you put in. And when it comes to weight loss and fat loss and any fitness goal, like consistency 
is the key. You know, one of the quotes that I use more than any else on my podcast is, tell me what you do every day and I'll tell you where you'll be in a year. Like, tell me how you eat every day and I'll tell you how you'll look in a year. Like, that comes down to consistency on both sides. You know, if you consistently eat poorly, you're going to consistently add weight and not feel that good. If you consistently eat well in a sense that you're eating foods that's fueling your body that's nutrient dense and that you feel is helping you hit your end goal with weight loss fat loss or whatever you're going to consistently do better over time like when the compound effect kicks in and the snowball effect of what you do consistently over time like that determines any success in anything you do in life and i never want the baby to get thrown out with the bathwater when it comes to consistency because it's trending it's 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 kind of something that a lot of people touch on now but at the end of the day, it's the reality of what's going to determine your success. Because, you know, I've always believed in the consistency over intensity method. Like, intensity is great. You know, New Year's is a great, I'm not sure when this episode goes out, but New Year's is a great example. Like, New Year's is the opposite of consistency. It's the, it's the intensity mindset of, oh, shit, I've eaten fucking really poorly for the last few weeks over Christmas and I've drank way too much. My body fat's way higher than it is. My weight's way higher than it is. Fuck. I need to get back in the gym and you're training seven days a week for the first two weeks. You're eating salads three times a day and you're eating fuck all calories. And that's the intensity mindset. I'm like, that's cool. But like, you don't sprint at the start of a marathon. Like the people that sprint at the start of a marathon are normally fucking gone before 5k. Like, cause you can't hold that pace all the way through. And that's where the consistency element comes in. It's about like, realistically, nobody can eat salad three times a day. And 500 calories of salad three times a day and gym seven days a week. I'm like, that's not really beneficial for most people, regardless of your starting point. But what you can do is probably work out three times a week or four times a week or potentially five times a week if you're really committed to it. And what you can do is get into a calorie deficit on the majority of days with some form of structured free meal or cheat meal or whatever language you want to put on it factored in, let's say, the weekends where you're not, as Shane said earlier, you're not binging out completely. You're just factoring in these free meals. You're factoring in some wine. You're factoring in the chocolate. You're factoring in the pizza. And you're not going completely overboard with this. That's the consistency mindset because do that every week, every month for a year. And you'll see an incredible result by the end. Like two people starting on the 1st of January. Give me the person who starts seven times, training seven days a week in the gym with salad three times a day, they're going to be falling off and back where they were at the beginning by the middle of February, if it even lasts that long. Tell me the other person who starts on a calorie-restricted plan that factors in foods that they enjoy with some free meals or cheat meals sprinkled in there with a training program that they can consist to or adhere to, whether that's once a week, three times a week, five times a week, and give me the 12 months and give me those two people at the end of the 12 months. Like, it's, as you said, chalk and cheese. It will be fucking night and day the difference between those two people and that's the consistency mindset versus the intensity mindset and it's about what you can stick to consistently over time it's about what you can adhere to consistently over time it's about what you can sustain consistently over time like you don't sprint your 100 meter sprint pace when you're running 26 miles of a marathon you take a consistency approach so that you get to your end goal that's how you hit success and that's where consistency comes in and I think it's really important. I'm not sure what your mindset is around that or your thought process is around that, Shane, but that's definitely kind of my stance on it. No, like I think consistency is the king. Like the ones that, the, the, the generally, the, the, the people that do, like the perfect analogy is like this is going out at the beginning of December um, and like Christmas is around the corner and 
January is generally when the gyms go mental. Uh, a lot of people start contacting you for training, nutrition, all that kind of stuff, which is great that so many people are trying to put the feelers out there. But as you said, the people that are coming to you saying, I'm going to go five, seven times a week when they've gone from the couch for the last three years, um, and then they're going out and kind of saying, I'm going to hit the gym five, seven days a week. And as soon as they miss one day, that's when they're going to potentially lose their shit and be like, all right, I've missed one. I'm going to miss two. going to miss three. going to miss four. And then they'll be back into uh, their, their normal routine of kind of sitting on the couch at night. But there's nothing wrong with sitting on the couch at night. But then don't give out if you're not close, any closer to your goal. Don't take some of the ownership yourself. You need to... You need to be consistent. You and by consistency, I don't mean chicken and broccoli again. I'm saying you could you can lose weight by going to like going out for walks, going to the gym two or three times a week, going to a class, hiring a PT, hiring an online coach. As long as your nutritional strategy and you make a plan for the weekends, you make a plan for whatever it may be. You've got holidays, something like come something like that coming up. Enjoy the holidays, but don't give out to someone or don't blame a coach. Take some ownership and then. The, like the consistency will like the consistency is the biggest thing but it is one of those buzz, buzzwords you hear from a lot of people and it was nothing against the word i just i kind of heard it from somewhere and that's why i kind of um wanted to kind of ask you the question about the consistency stuff um we've got christmas I nothing to add to that i think you've covered that perfectly <laughs> uh, you taught me well uh with the silly season is coming up um and it's not too like Christmas parties are getting booked in and people are going to potentially lose their shit is the I'm glad there's an explicit link on when you upload this iTunes that's all I can say for this episode um with the, the silly seasons coming up and a lot of people are are may struggle and they may they may kind of feel potentially a little bit guilty when they shouldn't about kind of potentially going off track a little bit on silly season what are your thoughts or what are your do you have any tips and kind of staying on track during silly season or what what are your thoughts on it so i've kind of got two semi-conflicting thoughts when it comes to that um and one is and i don't want anybody and we've spoken now for you know nearly 40 minutes about weight loss about fat loss about mindset around that etc and i never want anyone to listen and i know if they're listening to this podcast it's to personally develop and get tools and techniques and some tactics to hopefully hit their end goal and weight loss, fat loss, or whatever it is they're trying to do. I never have an issue with somebody not being in shape. Like, if you're happy with where you're at, Correct. I'm not going to ram down someone's throat that they should lose weight. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, if, you know, you can argue the health standpoint, of course. Like, there's health benefits and psychological benefits to working out and eating a certain way. But, but you know, at the end of the day, if somebody's happy with what they're doing and they're, you know, a, a couple of stone overweight or five kilos overweight and they're super happy and they're like, you know what, I don't want to make the lifestyle changes. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, then don't. I'm like, if you're happy with where you're at, you know, by all means, if something switches in your health at some stage or you want to feel psychologically better or you want to improve your energy levels, yeah, then bring it back to consideration. But if you're happy with where you're at, I'm like, yeah, fucking go for it. And when it comes to things like the city season coming in, say Christmas, and where there's an abundance of food and abundance of alcohol, I have two kind of conflicting thoughts on that. And one is to kind of make peace with the fact that, man, it's Christmas. Fucking enjoy yourself. I'm like, go, and if that's what you want to do, and you want to have the food and you want to have the drinks, I'm like, there's a time and a place for that. 
And I would argue that Christmas and the holidays is probably the time and the place for that. I'm like, there's a lot of family around, a lot of friends, and assuming that you like your family and friends, <laughs> like those drinks and food is going to be a really nice time and really nice experience. Like you made a great point there. It's like if you want to sit at home on the couch, that's cool, but just don't complain about that. And to argue the opposite side, I'm like, just if you want to go out and drink and eat what you want, I'm like, make peace with that. Enjoy. Realize that the choices you're having, the cause, you know, cause and effect. The choices you're making now with your food and the choices you're making now with your alcohol and consuming too much of it means that you're probably going to have tighter jeans come January. But that's cool. If you're fine with that and you're okay with that on the front end, I'm like, go and enjoy it. So that's one side of it. But the, the other side, then, and I pull from two sides, and I think it depends on the personality type, is, you know, just don't take the piss completely. And you can have the best of both worlds. Like, I tend to be quite lenient around Christmas. You know, I have a massive sweet tooth. I fucking love chocolate and ice cream. I don't drink as much anymore as I used to, but I'll have a few glasses of wine and I'll have cider over the winter because that's what I drink it over the Christmas. But I will train around it, and I tend to factor it in. So... I, if I know I'm going to binge out on a full box of Quality Street, I'm all over Quality Street at the minute. They're my fucking favorite. <laughs> Quality Street. If I know I'm going to have a full box, and like just to give context, when I say full box, I'm literally talking the big full box. Like I, I can't really go halves on it. But if I know I'm going to do that, I tend to reduce my calories during that day. And I'll also try and make sure that I've got a run-in or a workout in that day so I can justify it in the evening. I'm like, all right, fuck it. I had a great workout today. I've kept my calories really, really low. You know, all I had was lean protein and some vegetables during the day. I'm going to enjoy my food and drink now. So that's my approach when it comes to Christmas. I tend to have a best-of-both-worlds approach, knowing that, yeah, you're not going to be as lean. Yeah, you're not going to feel as energetic. But I'm like, fuck it, it's Christmas. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm willing to take that trade-off, but I'm also not pressing the fuck it button completely. I'm not saying, right, fuck training. I'm going to eat what I want and drink what I want. I'm doing it within reason. So I think it depends on the person. Some people will gravitate towards one or the other. And I think it really depends on what's going to work best for you. I'm like, do you want to just press pause instead of pressing the fuck it button completely? Do you want to just press pause on your diet and pause on your training over the Christmas and enjoy it? And then suffer that consequences come January, which is cool because it means you just have to train a little bit harder, drop into a slightly more of a deficit come January. And by the middle of January, into January, you'll be back to where you were pre-Christmas because your body will rebound back super quickly. That's what your body does, provided that you don't completely consistently consume those overabundance of calories coming into the new year. Or do you want to do something similar to what I do? Where you have a best of both worlds approach where I train all through the Christmas. I just watch my food during the day and then I have my free meals every evening. I'll have my chocolate, I'll have my glasses of wine and then I'll consistently do that throughout the Christmas. I'll also sleep a little bit more so my recovery tends to be better so my workouts are a little bit better. So there's a catch-22, there's a benefit on both sides. And I think it doesn't really matter which one you choose it's about right which one do you prefer because the choice is yours you know i tell people i'm like choose your suffering you know I, that's something I, I tell people all the time on my instagram stories i'm like choose your suffering i'm like you can go the entire christmas and not have any alcohol not have any desserts not have any chocolates i'm like but you're choosing the suffering of not having those foods that you want over that christmas period and you'll still stay in great shape so it just really depends on whatever's going to work best for you i don't think there's any right or wrong answer it's just about finding right what you know what suffering am i going to choose you know would i rather not enjoy the foods over the christmas period and stay in this level of body fat or am I, am I okay with climbing up a couple of pounds enjoying my christmas going on nights out and then just working it off in january like i think people as well shane you know this people underestimate or overestimate i don't even know what the right word for this how 
little effort it takes in January to get back to your pre-Christmas weight or pre-Christmas condition. I'm like, because of the amount of excess in food, you're eating so much food, so much sugar, so much salt, so much alcohol, you feel so puffy and bloated and you feel horrible come January. But at the end of the day, you were really only overindulging for two weeks. I'm like, your body's not going to take two months to lose that. Like, you're probably going, if it took you two weeks to put on that weight, it's probably going to take you another two or three weeks to get back to where you were at the beginning. It's not going to take an inordinate inordinate amount of time. It's just, we think it does because we feel so crap after overindulging on food. And that's something that I put out on all my channels come January because people freak out, you know, come January. They're like, fuck, I'm five pounds heavier. I'm 10 pounds heavier. I'm like, I'm like, look, a lot of that's water. A lot of that is sodium. A lot of that is just from overindulging and your body retaining all this water, it's why the scale, coming back to the scale, isn't the best indicator. Now, body fat will climb as well. But if you only went back doing what you were doing before Christmas that got you in the shape you were pre-Christmas, in about two or three weeks, you'll be back to your pre-Christmas shape, even if you didn't do anything drastic. And then that's someone that sells programs that works with people directly in the new year. I know you do the same. I know the coaches do the same. And I'm telling you, if you didn't work with any of us, and just went back to doing what you were doing pre-Christmas, within two weeks, you'd be back to your pre-Christmas condition. So just keep that in, in knowledge as well so that you don't press the panic button if you do overindulge this Christmas. 100%. I, I've recorded an IGTV, which will go out in the next couple of days or whatever, and I couldn't agree more on what you just said about the silly season. Like, what I'll be doing with my face-to-face and online clients is getting them to do to enjoy the week and then, as Trisha's transformation says, press reset on around the 28, 29, or thereafter. But enjoy your Christmas. Family are coming home. There's going to be drinks. There's going to be food. There's going to be chocolate and stuff like that. If you can get you, if you can get to the gym, happy days. More often than not, you're going out for walks with your family anyway. Uh, at Christmas, you're either jumping into 40 foot local here, or you're going out or whatever it may be. But don't feel guilty about enjoying yourself. If you've been, as the buzzword again, if you've been consistent for the whole year, one week out of 52 weeks isn't going to derail your progress. You need to look at the bigger picture and concentrate on those 51 weeks that you've potentially been working towards your goal. If it's been two or three years, well, then it's going to be three weeks out of kind of like the, the three years that you're kind of been potentially a little bit less off plan, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, so Brian, there's exciting times coming up for you. Um, there are there is a book launch and there is a seminar coming up. So what details for the for the gen pop here listening to the the podcast? Oh, you legend, Shane. Yeah, so in December, the 5th of December, my new book comes out, which is Rewire Your Mindset, um, which is all around basically rewiring your mindset around things like failure, things like self-sabotage, things like confidence, any issues that people tend to have. So I've used examples, health and fitness, I've used examples in relationships, I've used examples in business throughout that whole book on working through those problems and the things that hold people back. You know, as I said earlier at the top of the podcast, I'm a big believer that the biggest enemy lives between your two ears. And I think if you can control that enemy, you can literally do anything. So the new book talks about that. And then the seminar is like the book on steroids. <laughs> Somebody asked me today, um, it's called the Rewire Your Mindset Seminar. Someone was asked me today, they're like, should I get your book or go to your seminar? I'm like, oh, it depends. I'm like, the way I kind of think about it is, you know, the book is kind of like a combat knife. It's really effective and will work really well. And then the seminar is like a grenade launcher. I'm like, they both will have impact, 
but one is probably going to hit you way harder just because it's more immersive, it's me in person. Um, so that's in January, the 11th of January in the Hilton Hotel in Dublin, beside Dublin Airport. Um, so they're the two things that are coming up now. Two things I love, like, as I said to you right before the top of the podcast, like, I've, it's taken me so long to get this book from thought initial thought to where it's at now and ready to go to publication um, and the same with the seminars like i love my rewire your mindset seminar like that is one of the, my favorite things that i do like the energy in the room i just feed off the energy because everyone is there you know some people come in groups some people come by themselves it's about 50 50 and just the energy in the room is amazing and i absolutely love it so uh, yeah and again some people who think they'll benefit from it, go check it out. If you don't, then don't check it out. Um, yeah, thank you for letting me push that out as well. <laughs> no worries. No, I've, I've seen Brian. I went to Brian's seminar. I've seen Brian talk live. I, I've met Brian as well. And like, if you want to be, have enthusiasm and have an infectious enthusiasm come across, Brian's your man for that. He just, he's just so bubbly. He'll get his point across. He knows his shit like the back of his hand. He'll be able to potentially help with anything. He'll be able to kind of maybe trigger a pain point that you may be having and something going along. And maybe like I listened, I've been listening to Brian's podcast for so long. I think I was, I think I was in a really bad place at the time I started listening to Brian's podcast. Um, and there was one episode, I think it was July 2018, I think it was. And there was, I think it was an episode about not caring what people think. Is that about the right timeline? Yeah, that's the one, yeah. Yeah, so I think Brian knows about this, but that was the episode that kind of got me out of my funk. I got sick and kind of fall into a really bad place mentally and was scared about where I was going, had a corporate job, fell sick, and I was kind of like, fuck, what am I going to do? Brian's episode just shook a chord with me, and I'd say the next day or the day of, I'd booked counseling sessions. And if that can help me at all, the seminars will definitely help someone. They may not have as drastic effect as they've had on me, but if the, if it can help one person, that's the point of those those uh, seminars that Brian that Brian operates. So Brian, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate your time. I know your busy schedule, and I know um, I'm very grateful for you coming on twice. It's quite scary that it's a year on since the seminar. It's quite scary since a year on since the the podcast launched, and uh, hopefully it has another couple of years left in it. Oh, that's for sure, man. Well, I'm going to keep listening. So you've got one listening. <laughs> if, uh, if all else fails, you've got me listening on the other end. If, if, if only to rob some kiss. <laughs> I'll rob yours as well, so it's all good. Deadly, man. Thank you so much again for having me on, and well done on the year. You've absolutely smashed it. Um, and I'm so proud looking to see what you've done. So fair play, and just keep pushing out that value to everybody. You're an absolute legend. Thank you so much, Brian.